0: Thanks for tuning into the Rise Station Podcast. I'm your host, Pranella Harris, licensed mental health provider, bringing you everyday wellness tips and mental health education. So if that's your thing, you are in the right place. Join me. Do me a favor and go ahead and hit that subscribe button so that you get an alert every Monday, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time when I upload a new episode. So today, Rise Tribe, I have a special guest, Reverend Bronte Lamar Walker, and he is going to share his story on how he overcame addiction and what he's doing now. So I can't wait to share him with you guys. But before I go ahead and do that, let's hear a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Restorative Family Services. We are a behavioral health practice Our mission is to provide quality, affordable, and accessible mental health care to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. If you are struggling and in a dark place, we are here to help. Visit our website at www.RestorativeFamilyServices.com. This podcast is brought to you by Private Practise, where we provide leadership training and practice management coaching specific to helping mental health professionals build their private practice to provide a much-needed service for their community. Want to learn more? Visit our website at www.privatepractice.com. Okay, we're back. So before I introduce Reverend Ronte Lamar Walker. I want to tell you a little bit about him, all right? You know, he is a native of Atlantic City, New Jersey. I'm from Jersey, so he is Jersey born like me, raised in a small town called Pleasantville. He attended Rutgers University, graduated with a degree of economics. He's had a life filled with highs, lows, and loss, suffered many years with the disease of addiction. Turned his life around and has been clean from all drugs and alcohol for close to eight years. Now he has dedicated his life to helping others from all walks of life in their battle with addiction, helping them live a productive and drug free life. Today, Bronte Walker is a recovery coach, spiritual mentor, certified in nutrition, certified in first aid mental health, author. He's a reverent and inspirational speaker. Who has done more than 1,000 lectures. That is amazing. Currently, he works in a treatment of addictions field and will soon be taking on a veteran's position where he can serve his country with their struggles with addiction. His goal is to speak to a million addicts and people who have been impacted by the disease. His mantra is that you have not seen your best days yet. All right, So without further ado, I want to introduce my guest, Reverend Bronte L. Walker. Well, thank you so much, Reverend Bronte Lamar Walker, for being here. I definitely appreciate you coming on and sharing your knowledge with our our listeners. Welcome.
1: How you doing?
0: Doing well, thank you. Thanks for asking. So can you share with our listeners... Details about yourself and what you're currently involved in.
1: Currently, I'm working in treatment and I'm transitioning to another great opportunity to work with veterans that struggle with addictions. I'm also beginning my solo book project, which I'm very excited about. I am connecting with some speakers, some inspirational speakers, and I'm hoping to get involved with that. I'm doing life recovery coaching, um, mentoring, and also involved with a few projects of ministry within my church. So I'm actually a pretty busy person.
0: Yeah, you got a lot going on. (laughs) You got a lot going on. So do you have a name for the book or can you tell us or that's uh, secret stuff?
1: I have several names on the table, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to see which one kind of vibes with me. One of them is consequence of My Choice, but I do know what the book is going to mainly be about. I want the book to be a representation of understanding how addiction is and how some of us or many of us have addictive tendencies and just have never picked up a drug or a drink, or they don't have that problem with drug, with drinking. For an example, some people are addicted to bad relationships. Mm. Some people just have to have someone. They call it codependency. People are addicted to porn. People are addicted to sex. People are addicted to shopping. All of these things are rooted in the same characteristics, obsession, and compulsion. So, There's a children's story that many of us learned growing up called the story of King Midas, where everything he touched turned to gold. That's one of my lecture stories because that shows the thread in the tapestry of addiction from obsession to restoration. And it's an eight-point story where it's obsession, compulsion, addiction, justification, desperation, obedience, faith, and then restoration. And it shows that thread of addiction. Let's take drugs and alcohol off the table. Watch this. You're obsessed with being in a relationship. So you get into this relationship without looking at everything in its totality. So there's the obsession. And then you compulsively do it. Just like when you go shopping and you're not even thinking about getting anything for yourself, but it's just such a compulsion. As soon as you see it, it's like, I need it. I got to have it. And now you've got like your 19th pair of black shoes. So you're in this active addiction mode where you just are doing it. You have to do it. You feel like you need to do it. You feel like you have to have somebody. You feel like you have to eat something and then you justify it or you justify bad behavior. Have you ever seen anyone come to you and justify a person's bad behavior?
0: Oh, yes, all the
1: time. We do the same same thing. And then you get to a place of desperation Mm -hmm. where I've got to do something different because this pain is too much. What was King Midas's desperation? When he touched his daughter and his daughter turned to gold. Mm -hmm. He had to be obedient. He had to learn to listen. You know, they say I've heard somewhere that obedience is better than sacrifice. And if you're trying to get someplace, you have to be able to take the destruction of somebody. Even if you are an authoritative figure, you have to be able to be in authority, take authority and not feel like you've lost authority. So obedience. And now that you've made this change, you have to walk in this faith that I've changed. Oftentimes when I'm working with because I've worked with thousands of people in recovery I tell them it's the area it's the test that you keep failing that keeps you relapsing so once you pass that yes that's the if that's how it worked for me it was the test that I kept failing and then we move on and to faith and then you get to that place of restoration so that's kind of what I wanted to thread through
0: Well, I mean, it sounds like this is going to be a magnificent book that helps a lot of people. And I love that you have a structure, a component, a a way to bring people to healing. That sounds very amazing. So I'm hoping that you can get this out quickly so that we can start supporting you um, once that book is done.
1: 2024 is going to be a great year.
0: Okay, so. Let's talk about your story. Can you share your story and how, one, your addiction started, and then take us through how you got to restoration and how you got to your purpose of helping people? Because that's what this podcast is about. rise Station podcast is about helping people find their purpose out of the darkness. You know, right. so definitely like to bring on amazing people with amazing testimonies.
1: I'm glad you asked that question. That's a great question because it wasn't until I got into the recovery process that I realized my darkness started way before the actual introduction of drugs and alcohol. And my first addiction wasn't drugs and alcohol. It was fantasy. And what do I mean by that? Growing up projects, growing up alcoholic father Feeling issues of abandonment, domestic violence, seeing trauma and not understanding because for so many years, what they clinically call trauma and PTSD, I called normal. And I think in a lot of times in the black community, it wasn't trauma for us, but we didn't understand that high school was trauma, walking home was trauma, being alone was trauma. We didn't understand the things that we were actually going through, Gen X. We didn't understand what was actually happening. We didn't. There was no bully protocol. You either fought or you ran. There was no structure for that. So I was already broken and in a dark place before I even picked up. So my first addiction was fantasy because I didn't like who I was. So that's what led to that. Then, watch this, the feelings I had. Three of the main reasons people use is they want to numb a feeling, change a feeling, or create a feeling. It's the same thing we do when we attach ourselves to certain people. A lot of young women get into horrific early relationships because they want to change how they feel about themselves seeking validation through others it was the same process for me i just didn't like the way i felt so that led to being in fantasy and the fantasy was crazy because at one time i wanted to you know i saw the early rappers with the chains and cars and girls and i was like okay i want chains cars and girls So me feeling less than me, not accepting myself, me seeking validation, me being raised in a parental setting that didn't feature nurturing. So I'm searching for something now. And that kind of led me to some places and some doors I didn't want to go through. And this is while being a top athlete in the area. Uh, who's Who Among American High School Students, National Honor Society. This is while being all of that. So those accolades was not enough to change how I really felt. So it gets deep.
0: So fantasy, uh-huh. you didn't like yourself or who you were. You started getting into the girls, getting into the chains. Where did that lead you?
1: My first addiction was lifestyle. How do I change this lifestyle? And I'm even talking about going to college, getting a degree, but feeling a sense of entitlement. Okay, I'm not getting my American dream. Y'all told me if I go to college and I graduate from college, there'll be a slice of the American pie waiting for me. No one gave me the class on sweat equity. No one gave me the class on mental health that wasn't even a conversation then no one gave me the class on there is no hookup like remember when we were growing up back in the day before everything was digital you could go in mcdonald's with three dollars and your friend be working the register (laughs) and (laughs) and you'd ask for a cheeseburger and a french fry, and you get a whole, you get nine cheeseburgers, five french fries, six apple pies, two toys. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work like that in real life. And that's the part that I didn't get. So, that early frustration, coming back to the hood, you know, I read somewhere that bad company corrupts good character. Coming back to the hood, meet bad company, and now, I'm a drug dealer.
0: So you graduated college and then became a drug dealer? Yes. Look, You (laughs) didn't see that one coming. (laughs) Okay.
1: Yes. I became a 90s, mid-90s drug dealer selling cocaine. And immediately I was addicted to the lifestyle. And the lifestyle was more dangerous than the drugs or can be as dangerous. And I was addicted and it was the excitement. It was the BMW. It was the apartment. It was the king size heating, non-floating water bed. And let's not leave this out. I remember I told you it was, was going to be like, I used to drink straight, no chaser. And it was the women.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was the power.
0: Yeah, makes sense. It-
1: It was going to the nightclub and, you know, I'm not drinking rum and Cokes. I'm drinking bottles of champagne. You know, it's rosé before y'all was drinking rosé. So it was that lifestyle. Little did I know that I was slowly getting caught up in the Venus flytrap of my own dealings.
0: You're a great storyteller. First of all, I can (laughs) can (laughs) tell tell me more of the story, (laughs) but you know, and this often happens to so many of us because when we're coming up as kids and we feel deprived, we don't have those things, right? The moment we get that chance to, to make a difference, if we grow up and we don't have a lot of money or we, are told no, or can't get something, or we don't like the way we feel, right? The moment we get that, our inner child is allowed to play. And it's boundless. It's with no boundaries. It's like, I'm going to do and have everything I ever wanted. Now that I can afford it, I can buy this lifestyle. So you took me on this ride through the excitement. So how did we get to the next phase of The journey to where you started to say, hey, I need to make a change. This isn't working out for me.
1: Well, for me to answer that question, I have to walk you through how I got to the darkest moment because you don't just sit there one day and say, okay, I see the future of this not working out. No, you think that you can manage. It was like a bad marriage. And I thought that I could manage this bad marriage.
0: Mm. Got a little experience with that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So you know, we we try, and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be one of those statistics. I'm going to manage this, and I'm not like you, so I don't need to identify because I'm not like you. Okay, so we start. We're using, it's recreational, it's in the club, it's come over, it's friends, it's parties. Then you meet someone that says, hey, try this. And you go from powder to smoking cocaine. And the next thing you know, it's like, okay. And you do it a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And the next thing you know, you're in it you're in it. And there's so much more to that, to the story, but ultimately because it's progressive, you know, any bad situation or any bad series of choices, you ever notice how one bad choice begots another bad choice? Yeah. And until you do some healing, I keep making bad decisions because I'm in this bad lifestyle. And now there's no pursuit of passion. There's no pursuit of purpose. I'm struggling with defects. I'm defect driven and I'm stuck in desperation. Hmm. So now I'm entering the darkest phase of it and I'm beginning to lose things. I'm losing things I don't want to lose. I'm playing cover up because I got the mask on. Because I want to give you this vision that I got it all together. But in reality, I'm struggling. And I'm beginning to lose and I see it, but I'm going to manage this. And now I'm transitioning into more drinking, crack cocaine. I'm in a real dark place. And I'm not selling drugs anymore. My drug career has come to an end. Now I am just using, and I'm working. And I'm working two jobs, and I'm homeless for two jobs. I'm taking showers, because I was working in the casino industry. I was working at Trump Taj Mahal and Trump Marina. So I'm taking showers in the locker room. And when I was off, I might uh, go to the gym and take a shower. And this is how I was surviving. You know, it just gets darker, it gets darker, it gets darker. And we talk about the I never list and the I never list. And everybody has, one. everyone has an I never list. The I never list is the things that you say you will never do. Like, I'm never gonna do this. I'm never gonna steal this, I'm never gonna do that. I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to sell my body. I'm never going to compromise this. We all have I never list. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You spend enough time in the wrong relationship. Remember, I'm married to this addiction. You spend enough time in it. You start crossing things off your I never list. Because now I'm in this against my will. I'm using against my will. I'm in this relationship against my will. I don't want to be here anymore, but I don't know how to get out. And the pain of adjusting back to living is greater than this pain that I'm going through. So I think in my mind. So I'm more scared of the pain of living than the pain of active addiction. Anais Nunn has an amazing quote that I absolutely love. She says, the day will come to pass when the pain to stay tight in the bud is more painful than the risk to blossom. Hmm. So the pain to stay tight in that addiction, it was more painful than the risk to blossom.
0: What was the moment that you said, okay, today is the day that I'm going to blossom. Today is the day that I'm going to grow, to heal. I'm going to do something scary and new.
1: What I had been trying to achieve that day for a long time, I was the relapse king because I didn't understand sacrifice. You're not going to have the growth you want without the sacrifice. You're not going to be able to keep the same people on the bus if you plan on changing and the people on the bus are part of the problem i like to say if you're not part of the solution you're probably part of the problem mm-hmm. so before i could really change i had to do some acceptance without acceptance that i've got a problem without acceptance there will be no healing i'll always be on the run running for myself searching for something but one day in a quiet moment and and i don't tell the story often I am now my grandmother's caregiver. This makes for a great chapter in the book. We call it Crackhead Caregiver. So I'm now my grandmother's caregiver and I'm good at it. I just have to get her fed, give her her medicine, do what I need to do with her. And then I can go out and do whatever I want to do and just be back in time to feed her. So this is my ritual now. I'm two blocks from the beach. I'm a block from the beach. So I'm like, I'm living my best life. But my grandmother gets sick and the level of care she needs is past what I can provide. So she now has to go to a, a nursing home. And I'm laying there and I'm now a college educated, honorary student squatter. And I'm laying in bed and I'm crying. I'm balled up and I'm crying. And this place is so dark. And I don't have a lot of those burning bush stories. I do not. But it was this one moment. God said, if you stop, I'll bless your life. If you don't, you're going to die. Now, for most people, That would be enough, but not for a hard headed cat like me. I went on, I immediately, immediately relapsed. Had about two weeks clean, I immediately relapsed. And if you don't change, you will find yourself back in the same position. The setting might change, The characters might change, but you will be back in the same position.
0: We attract the wounds that we haven't healed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, You hit the nail on the head when you started with have addictive behaviors because we are always seeking validation outside ourselves. It could be with. Energies like uh, narcissism, codependency, but there's some external validation and we don't begin to heal until we come back home to ourselves.
1: And that brings me to two weeks later, I'm back in the same position. God says, if you stop, I'll bless your life. If you don't, you're going to die. And it was in that moment that the light bulb came on. I had what I call one of my favorite scriptures, first Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Most of us are fighting for victory when really we should be working on our surrender.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, let me ask you a question because this is where I got in my journey of healing that I knew I was headed in the right direction. How do you know you're over a relationship? How do you know you're over a person?
0: Like after a breakup? Like how do you after know?
1: A breakup. It's not that deep. Don't dig too deep now.
0: Okay. I don't know. You you got me.
1: <laughs> I'll tell you. No. I, if you mind, I mean, can I tell you, when you don't miss that when you don't miss the ass no more?
0: That's
1: true. Yeah. <laughs> when You, right, you don't miss, I don't miss your ass. I did not miss everything that addiction bought. I no longer missed it. Mm. I didn't miss any of this struggle. I didn't miss any of the lying. I didn't miss any of the cheating. I didn't miss any of the running. I didn't miss the desperation. I didn't miss trying to, I didn't miss wearing the cleanest, dirtiest clothes. I didn't miss, you know, being one point from getting fired. I didn't miss any of the things that came with active addiction. And what I did was I took my addiction to court. You know, how a criminal criminal gets convicted or how somebody gets convicted of a crime, what they look at the evidence. And the evidence is what they get convicted on. I looked at the evidence of my addiction and I convicted it as, listen, you are not good for me. Mm -hmm. You're not good for me in any of the pillars of life mentally you're not good for me emotionally you're not good for me spiritually you're not good for me physically you're not good for me i think if you start looking at people like that you might get to the place of healing a lot quicker
0: yeah, yeah. so
1: and that's where the journey begun but i had no idea how broken i was which brings me back to the relationship piece because Broken people tend to attract broken people and broken broke will never make whole. When have you ever seen two dead batteries, jump a car? Mm -hmm. So, and that begun the journey.
0: Yeah. So now take us to like what you're doing in the field of addiction, how you're living your life now. Like, What's your purpose is, or what are you doing? How are you impacting other people from everything you've learned?
1: I did a group today, impromptu lecture. I didn't plan on doing the lecture, but the person that was supposed to do the lecture wasn't there, so I stepped in and did the lecture. And it was about 30 men, 30 men from different walks of life, different nationalities, different ages and to instill hope. And I told him that I'm here to empower you, to educate you, to entertain you, to enlighten you, and ultimately help you get to a place of transformation. So that's what I do when I speak. I've done over a thousand lectures dealing with addiction, dealing with life, dealing with relationships, dealing with triggers, dealing with trauma, dealing with emotional intelligence, dealing with becoming the best version of yourself, understanding that we have to be purpose-driven. We discover a purpose in our recovery. So I feel like if you help one person or if somebody takes one sentence that you say and shares it with someone and it helps them, you have blessed people that you'll never meet. Now, here's the downside. It's not a field where you're going to get rich. So you don't do this for the paycheck. You do this for the blessings. And then you have to find a way to monetize your gift in other ways. There goes the book. There goes the speaking. And when I say thousand lecture groups, I'm not even including preaching engagements. I'm not even touching that. That's a whole nother situation over there because I I don't go in tooting like some of them don't even know I'm a reverend, but they'll hear it in the vernacular. They'll hear it in the exchange of stories and words and they'll hear it there and they said, I thought so, but I never lead with that. I never lead with that because I don't want you to see title. I want you to see a man in recovery because watch this money, property and prestige don't equal recovery. Doesn't equal change. T- I know a lot of people that make good money and they're miserable and their life is broken and they're struggling Because that money does not buy you the peace that you're searching for. That money does not buy you the honest relationships that you're yearning for. Like my relationships with people have improved because I learned the difference between kind and nice. See, when I'm kind, I don't want anything in return. I want to see you make it. I want to see you grow. I want to see you change. I want to see you reunited with your wife. I want to see you rowing with your kids, playing with your grandkids. When I'm nice, I want something in return. It's a big difference.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You ever had somebody be nice to you and then ask you for
0: something? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. <laughs> that was the bait. Gotcha. Yeah, we definitely have to have you come back because I mean, you are just a whole vibe. You are a whole vibe. We definitely have to have you come back multiple times. Now, before we end today's session, thank you so much for taking us through that and giving us nuggets of hope and how you came out of that. What advice would you give someone listening to you right now who is in that dark space who is in the throes of active addiction, just don't see a way out, what advice would you give them?
1: I would tell them to take a look at the evidence of their disease. What is it costing you? I tell people all the time, I said, drugs and or alcohol will never reconcile a relationship It will never get you reemployed. It will never restore your finances and it will never resurrect the body. So what is the actual purpose of it? And what is it actually going to do for you? And sometimes that's all you know and it's the only coping mechanism that you have. But I say, when you look at the evidence and what it's costing you, that has to be, and that's in anything. That's something you can do with a bad relationship. Like, what is this costing me? You know, let me look at the evidence. Now, here's the other caveat. That old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. If there is no desire to change, which I talk about and which will be another, I think that's going to be like a short book. Uh, my my 4Ds if there is no desire to change, there'll be no determination to ch- stay in the change process. without the determination to stay in the change process there will be no discipline and without that discipline, there will be no destiny. Mm, I like that wow. So if you don't want to change, how's the weather? Because we we might as well talk about something else.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. If you are working with a woman and she's clearly abused mentally, emotionally, maybe even physically, but she's like, I'm not leaving. I'm staying. What else can you do?
0: You meet her where she is.
1: You meet her where she is. So sometimes, you know, there's a saying that goes around and says, well, we're going to just have to let the disease do what the disease do. We're going to have to let pain be pain. Pain is a great motivator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pain is a pain. Pain will get you off your off your keister. Pain will make you say, you know what? I need to do something different. Pain will make you say this far, no further. Pain will have you like Popeye. I had all I could stands. I can't stand no more. But there's a process. I would tell them to give it a try. Develop a network. You will be as good or as great as your network. Build relationships and then get in tune and in touch with your feelings. Allow yourself to feel your feelings. We feel, we deal, and then we heal. Allow yourself to feel your feelings. And then be honest because the best form of therapy, see, I probably needed a therapist at twelve. The best form of therapy is an honest conversation. When you start having honest conversations, you open the door to healing because there's a difference between honesty and truth. I tell people all the time, I ask them and and they look at me, honesty is what you did. The truth is why you're doing it. So we need to have an honest conversation so we can get to the truth. When I, when we begin to do that, we now embark and engage and embrace the healing process.
0: Wow. That was very powerful. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom. We definitely will have to get you back. Well, listen, Rise Tribe. That's all I have for you today. I hope you've learned something. I hope you were inspired. I hope if you are struggling in a dark place looking for some answers regarding addiction, how can they get a hold of you if they want to work with you?
1: They can email me. They can have my number. I am looking to build and help people, help direct people. If I don't have the answer, I'll find the answer. If you need help. At a higher level of care, I may be able to help you, uh, at least point you in the right direction. If you need someone to work with you in different forms of recovery, different verses of recovery, I'm well-versed in all the different forms of recovery. If you just need someone to coach you through it, those are the things and services that I provide. You can drop my email, my number, and reach out to me.
0: And so as part of the show notes, we will have all the links where you can get in contact with Reverend Bronte L. Walker and where you can follow him on social media so that you can continue to be encouraged, inspired. Thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you, Rise Tribe, for tuning in. All right, guys, until next time, enjoy your day on purpose. If you have found this episode helpful, help us grow our audience. By providing us with a five-star review, you help make this podcast visible to others. Help pull others out of a dark space by showing that you care, by sharing this podcast with them. Nothing is better than a friend or loved one who wants you to up-level your life with them. Thanks for tuning in.